Hi, podcasting from New York. They say if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. This is Pushing Boundaries. Most of today's commentary on complex social issues is binary, unproductive, and flat-out lazy. With this podcast, I'm looking to hopefully elevate these conversations, and as a lifelong educator, hopefully learn a few things along with you. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Pushing Boundaries. I just want to start with a new episode today um, called Fatherhood. So, read two articles from the New York Times, Why Do Fathers Leave Their Children? New York Times, uh, More Fathers Who Stay at Home by Choice. And then there's a book called Father Figure Exploring Alternative Notions of Black Fatherhood by Zun Lee. Um, and so, there are a lot of myths out there in terms of uh, fathers not being involved with their children. Or we see... Uh, they, you know, there are two sides of the story. Of course, we know they're, they're single mothers holding it down, and we don't take any credit away from them holding it down and being responsible for their children and doing all they need to do to raise their children. This this is not about that. This is not to contest that. This is not to uh, slight single mothers or single women in terms of this this role that they take with raising their children. This is to talk about the other side of the, the conversation, right? There's always two sides, right? Um, and I can speak from experience because I'm a father and I was a single father at one time raising two children. And so I'm speaking from uh, from experience. Um, realities. There are many relationships that end by the child's first birthday with a na- another wave soon after. So one of the things this is, this is all um, races. So after the, so before when you have, when you give birth to a child, uh, you're expecting a child between uh, man and woman. Um, Oftentimes, you know, the relationship doesn't last before the first birthday. And then soon after, before the child is three, there are more relationships that are parting ways, right? And we're talking about a divorce or some sort of separation where two uh, family members or two parents are not in the household, all right? And so this is a, a real um, issue uh, for communities uh, to hold their households together. Um, and and, uh, and then we're going to talk about why this happens, right, through the story. I have, you know, some points that I want to talk about. I want to share some stories with you um, about this um, and try to give you some solutions by the end of this conversation. So let's talk about the male identity. Well, we know that the male identity today is in flux, right? The things that we used to know about uh, men are no longer true today. Um, and the things that we knew about women are no longer true. Yet and still, we're doing some of the similar things that we did in terms of raising men and women as, as uh, young boys and, and, and young women that we did several years ago, several generations ago. Um, but we're setting them up. We're, we're, I'm just going to give you a note. We're setting them up for future failure because we're not teaching them that the transitions are very different today in terms of what roles are, roles men play and, and uh, women play, right? They're not as traditional as they once were. You know, we know that the... You know, the, the story is today that we, we expect the men to be role models. Um, the expectation is that uh, they're providers, they're caretakers. Those are expectations, right? Um, we know that, that the media in terms of uh, the male identity uh, fluctuates between races, and we know that the, uh, it fluctuates in terms of uh, the features, the, the showcasing of careers that men are involved with and engaged with. Uh, we know that it fluctuates in terms of the intellectual capacity capabilities of men uh, 
in this day and age, right? Um, expectations from the Pew uh, Research Center, you know, there are more men, right, that are looking for the perfect soulmate. So men are, they're saying that in terms of relationships, men tend to be a little more idealistic. You know, their notion is that um, they're looking for this perfect woman that is, and it's old school too, so it's somewhat traditional in terms of what they're looking for, this homemaker, this uh, supporting cast, uh, this one, there was this one who is um, somewhat not submissive, but um, yielding to her husband's uh, direction. And so those are the things that men are, are continuously growing up with and being taught, right? Um, it's not happening. And so the men are being increasingly disappointed, right? I was reading an article and I wasn't going to talk about this in a, in a podcast to come. You know, uh, the monogamous relationship with technology, right? Um, more and more men, especially in, in Asian communities, are engaging in um, relationships with technology. They would they would rather engage uh, some sort of pornography or something with uh, some sort of virtual reality than in, engage with uh, a human, flesh and blood, right? And we know that that, that trend is starting to spread across uh, uh, all countries, right? Um, and so what's happening with men in terms of when they get disappointed and not finding this ideal soulmate is they don't know how to adjust. Now, we know that that as humans, we bring a lot of baggage to the table. You know, we got, you know, we got, you know, I call them head cases. Right. And so when I look at people, I see I see I see the physical attributes, but then I see I don't see what's in, inside of them. Right. And what's the baggage? Right. What are the what's the trauma that is current in their lives? What is what's some of the the uh, the building blocks of the way they think? Right. Um, so what are the what's the the environmental factors that cause the biases that they have and all of those things all um, collected together as the ingredients for this person you know a lot of times we don't see that when we first meet each other we, we see our representatives and then we we overcommit and next thing you know we, we we're finding out truly who we are with each other and with something that we don't like but one of the things that's difficult with humanity in general is humanity you know the reason why um, we get along is because we find commonality in certain things, whether it be uh, faith, whether it be money, whether it be um, environmental, or whether it be um, you know uh, family structure. There, there are things that we find in common, and we begin to work around those things to make it work. And so, those that's the same approach that we have to have in relationships. But I'm not going to go into that too much. When men become frustrated with the ideal soulmate, that they thought quote unquote the ideal soulmate. They, they tend to fall into two things that, that the, the media does a great job of, of capturing. One is that, you know, they can fall into the alcohol and drugs as a way to subdue the disappointment and to live day by day and, and to make it in it, uh, make it in that relationship. Or they, they have an issue where they turn into some sort of domestic dispute, some sort of domestic violence between, you know, not either him hitting the wife or, or the wife hitting him or the relationship, whatever it is, yelling, you know, uh, uh, taunting, uh, verbal assaults. Whatever it is, you know, then there's some sort of law enforcement involved where you have to be divided, right? Then the other thing is the stepping out with other women, right? Finding the relief, finding this idealist. So it's the, it's the notion that, you know, finding perfection somewhere else, looking for somewhere else, looking, the, you know, it, this is what I want, you know, and it's a, it's a temporary escape. It's the, um, it's the, ideal, the ideal world that this person is, the utopia that this man is looking for. It's temporary, but it's something that they're using are indulging in to escape the realities that's something that they had in their mind that's not coming true, right? Um, 
So that's that. So that speaks to the male identity. Let's talk about nature versus nurture. You know, there are some things that are innate things that we're born with. And there's some things that we learn from our environment. Right. Um, we know that in terms of discipline, the game has changed in terms of discipline, in terms of earlier generations versus generations today, between how women discipline and men discipline. You know, I'm not even sure how people discipline at this point today because it's very different. You know, in some cases, you know, women discipline in the household. In some cases, men discipline. How they discipline, what are the strategies that they discipline, is all depends on their educational uh, influences on this, right? And not education in terms of, you, you know, you having a degree or something, but in terms of what you know, where's your knowledge base, where is it coming from, what's your strategies for dealing with uh, children and, and rearing children, right? And so discipline is, 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 is very unclear right now in terms of how that goes, right? But we know that our society has created structures in terms of what's acceptable and unacceptable. And we kind of have a framework that we have to work within in order to stay away from trouble, right? Um, but discipline is up in the air, right? And then there's 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 the uh, the other thing in terms of, let's go back to nature and nurture, there's there's a belief that's that's built in, in, our, in our culture, in American culture. And the belief is that popular opinion suggests that having a mother at home is the most ideal, right? We notice as a bias. Again, having a mother at home is most ideal. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, speak to that later on in this conversation about having that at home and, and what's really happening at home these days, right? Um, then there's intentional modeling, right? What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman, right? That again is has evolved, right? In terms of what we knew, what we know, and what's really happening, right? Um, being a man, you know, is in flux right now. What does that really mean? What is a man? I'm not sure you can define that today, right? And I'm not being facetious. I'm really, I'm, I'm speaking truth here in that the identity and the, the, the you, I'm, I'm telling you, if you did a survey of about 200 people, I don't think you would get the same uh, definition of what a man should be, right? And what a man is, right? And so in that, in that dynamic of confusion and convoluted, convoluted beliefs, we don't know really what it means to be a man, right? And then how do we teach young men to be men, right? And we can't get, we're, we're, so we're struggling to get on the same page. And this is across cultures, right? You know, across cultures, that is being redefined today as we speak. We're in conflict with that. There's a serious confrontation in terms of that, right? Because a, a lot of definitions of men was in the act, in terms of being a man, we defined it by the act of a man, who did that which is what defined him, and also the gender of a man, of which is what defined him. And so the, there's a the biological part, and we, we get in, we talk about nature and nurture, the biological part, and there's the, 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 the environmental part of it, right? And it's the same uh, situation with women, all right? So with intentional modeling in terms of child rearing, it's going to look very different. It's going to be coming more and more different as, as we begin to develop, evolve as a people, right? And so the nature versus nurture is something. There's the biological part of it, and then there's the environmental part of it. But society as a whole, in terms of through our intellect, we're calling into question what those things mean. Let's talk about emotional support under this topic. You know, today, are women being built for being this quote-unquote homemaker? Mm, I don't know. You tell me. Are women being built for homemaking and childcare? Is it natural? Is it 
Do, are they born with it? Is it innate to some degree? But we have family courts that are full <laughs> of a lot of issues with child rearing. We see it in, in the school systems. We see it in our communities, right? And so there's some issues here, right? Are men built for this? Are women, are men built for this? Are men built for this? You know, when we, when we you know, we talked about biases in terms of, you know, when we raise children, right? And we raise children, you know, we tend to buy the kitchen for our daughter. And we tend to buy some sort of a sport equipment for our son, right? Um, indirectly, we're teaching uh, the women, our young women, how to be homemakers, of which they're not becoming as when they become older, right? More and more of them not, be, not going into that role, although we're still buying the kitchen, right? We're buying the soccer ball for our males. But more and more of them are not just doing sports. They're doing other things um, with their gifts. And so when we talk about emotional support in the way we're building or creating the environmental supports for our children and encouraging them to grow, are we really addressing their needs? That is for another day in terms of that topic. We can't get into that now because that'll take us too deep into another direction. When we talk about goals and perspectives for our household and for fatherhood, and we look at our children, one of the things that we would want to, we want to be clear about here is fatherhood has nothing to do with being a husband or a spouse has nothing to do with it. Fatherhood is that relationship with that person's ability to act in the interest of their children. That's what fatherhood is about. Now, what happens though in relationships that begin to disintegrate between a man and a woman and a man being the father in this situation what tends to happen is that the man begins to, or the woman begins to take their attention away from the relationship and, and dedicate it singularly to the child. So their relationship is pretty much over, and so their relationship becomes with their child because that is where they're seeking the love and, and the reciprocity and, and existing daily, right? Now, this is, this is a good thing because you're supposed to give that relationship to your child. The thing is, when you begin to substitute the relationship that you have in a companion with your child, then that's an issue. All right? So fathers, and we're talking about father. I'm not talking about motherhood at this point. Fathers tend to do this, right? And the, the relationship is not working with the, like, again, with, with the ideal sort of woman. And they tend to give all to their children, right? And this is where it begins to get uh, uh, difficult because when, when their spouse sees that, then they tend to get in interfere with the relationship with the child because they 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 want what's going on between the child and the father, and so they begin to interfere with that because they say, "Listen, you know, you're not going to just take away from the relationship that we have to give to the child. I want that, right? But it's not it's not communicated that way. What's that? What happens is then it becomes into it goes into an interruption of the relationship between the father and the child, right? And so you know it goes into you know uh, getting in the way. Uh, becoming an obstacle, you know, uh, uh, preventing access, you know, communicating or uh, confusing the message, you know, in terms of how you want children to, to be raised and think, and all of those things. And so then you get into a confrontation because this is not a battle over child rearing and fatherhood. This is a battle over 
a relationship between two adults, right? There's then there's the parental part of this. When a father is in the home, they're more likely to be a provider and a caregiver. Now, provider doesn't mean that they're the, the breadwinner, but they do provide a service and they, and they also provide a hands-on caregiving situation when they're in the house versus they call it the best friend syndrome or the visiting uncle, right? So no matter what you do when a father is not in the home, they're trying to compensate for their absence. And so they try to make their experiences and relationship with their children as pleasant as possible by being almost perfect or giving the child or feeding into the power the, the child's desires rather than their needs. And so they create this best friend caregiver and it's actually an insult or a disruptor for the parent who has the child because they're saying, hey, you know, I, I'm trying to establish some some behaviors here and you're not supporting that. You know, you're kind of feeding into these desires that and we know what children desires are not always the best option in terms of feeding them, your, your children with. Right. And so this becomes a problem in terms of when you deal with fatherhood and you're not in the house versus um, outside of the home. What are the social reactions are the social realities based on a father in and out? So one of the things you have to, you, fathers have to be conscious about is that the media representation of fatherhood is not always accurate. Is that, and if you watch it, you get confused, right? Because it, it, it's a, just a lot of different things going on. You're not really clear on what, what it means to be a father, what it means to be a father. What it means to be a man, I'm sorry to say. So so what it means to be a man. Um, so what we have to understand as fathers, you have to go against the grain. You have to establish your reality for being a father. There are some trends that are that are common amongst all fathers, and so you can you can fall into that trend. But then there's a unique relationship that you have with your child and you may have with that child's mother. Right. And so you have to begin to show people that are trying to understand your relationship, especially for uh, black fathers, you know, because black fathers, there's a, there's also the media um, interpretation of people's interpretation that black fathers are not doing what they need to do for their children. And we know that's not true. So you have to provide an a entry point for people to understand the way you are dealing with your children. Right. To understand um your relationship with your children because they don't understand, right? And they think it's different from theirs when it's actually the same, right? Um, and so the entry point looks like, um, you know, sometimes the way you express yourself with your children, you know, you might do that publicly or um, the guidelines you've set for your children or the habits that you, you've got for your children. Those things that people will see over time. And so those are the social implications that you have to build around you to be able to do your job effectively, right? And with the your environmental supports. You know, you also have to re redesign the social con constructs that define your home. Now, if you're in the home, then you're, those that social construct is being uh, co-created with you and your partner. If you're outside the home, then you have to, you have to design a social contract or uh, construct based on your strengths and your challenges, right? And so one of the things that we, 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 you know, I always have a conversation with single moms is that you can't try to be everything. You can try to be a super mom, but what you need to do 
is lean on your environmental supports, right? And so for, for single fathers, it's about, I'm a single father, my strengths are this, and recognizing that, acknowledging that, and saying my weaknesses are this, and how do I go into my environment and put those those challenge areas around my child so that they get a full experience, a parental experience, right? And so that's 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 important about being intentional. When you're in the in the household and you're together with your spouse, then it's about what are our strengths and weaknesses, and this is where you begin to define yourself and you begin to articulate what's going on in your household, right? Because it's not about the traditional models that have been out there for men, men and women, because we know that that's not the case and that's not clear. It's about who am I and who are you in this relationship? What are our strengths and what are our challenges? And how do we, how do we complement one another to raise our child to be the best that they can be? And that's being adaptive, that's being flexible, and that's being authentic, right? Because you can't say, I'm supposed to, I'm, there's no supposed to, this is what I am. This is what I can do. Here's my strengths. Now let's let's move in my strength areas and move in your strength areas and and hopefully together we have a complete picture in terms of raising this child. And that's how you develop your goals and perspectives for parenthood. Your partnerships. So just to extend on what I was saying in terms of, you know, and even sometimes in a you know, in, in, in married households that, you know, you don't have it all. You don't have it all. And, and a lot of times you have to lean on your neighbors to um, to supplement the supports that you need for your children. You know, as your children get older and they begin to go into the teenage, pre-adolescence and adolescence years, sometimes they're not trying, they're not open to what you have to say in your household. So you have to extend yourself to the kind of mentorship that you want around you so that that mentorship can support can support the areas that you think you have a deficit in at that moment because your child is not interacting with you at the moment in the same way that they once were, right? Um, and that comes to, you know, creating the support groups like, you know, the mentorship from your household that, you know, of course, your community sports events, your uh, community centers, your church, you know, um, any civic group, Boy Scouts, any civic group that you can get your child involved with that you want to create the kinds of um, structures and character traits in them as human beings, then you have to look for those things, those partnerships. And a lot of the community-based organizations can do that for you, right? They can do that through, you know, like I said, the Boy Scouts, you know, schools can help you with that, you know, healthcare, um, faith-based organizations can also help you develop those partnerships to move the agenda for your children. Now, again, you know, I've, I've summed it up in, in about 20 minutes, and that's not enough to really discuss fatherhood. You know, and we'll probably we'll probably extend this in another um, episode where I'll have guests on and we'll, and we'll ask some some deeper questions in terms of what it means to be a father. But I, I want to say that, you know, that there's a myth out there in terms of uh, black men not being involved with their children. Actually, that is a myth. And they're finding that more black men are involved with their children than any other race, especially with their children from the time that they the inception of us understand understood that they're going to, uh, that they're pregnant and they're going to have a child, the, the involvement rate is at a high level, right? And there's a, there's a need, there's a need there, you know, because the father is trying to change the dynamics or the trends that have happened in their lives or the lives of others that they've seen and heard around them. 
And so they, they really have an invested interest in trying to uh, support their children. Now, the thing is, again, you know, we're walking into these relationships, and I'm not criticizing women in this, but we're walking into these relationships, and we're, and we're, and we're saying we have these this lens or we have this filter in terms of what men and what fathers are supposed to be. And that is not the case. If we were, if we were carbon copies of one another, it would be very different out here today. We were all very unique and dynamic people. You know, we bring different things to the table. We have different strengths and we have different weaknesses and we have a different environmental factors. Not only that, but our brains are so complex, so complex that it takes us a lifetime ourselves to really get to know ourselves. And I don't even think by the time we reach death, we still know ourselves. We're still learning. We're still learning our environment. We, we're still learning, you know, how far we can go. We're still trying to train our brains to control it, right? We're, we're still trying to, because because we're also dealing with, we're in constant confrontation with our thoughts, right? We're in constant, you know, confrontation with our bodies, our physical bodies. We're in constant confrontation with our external surroundings, right? And so all of those things are, we're, we're giving us 100% um, effort to trying to resolve and figure out and navigate our lives, right? Now you add another individual who comes in with the same complexities that you can't even get near the depth of understanding that they have for themselves with your own self. And so, you know, instead of us trying to control you know, other people or control the dynamics around us. It's more about being adaptable, right? And, you know, it's more about this. I, I can't control this person just like I can't control this child. It's really taking the approach of your children. You know, some people try to control the children. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And they, and they put, you know, these frame around them and, they, and you're going to run straight and you're not going to no, because that may work when they're young. And then as they get older, you realize that you can't control those children. You can't control those young individuals, Right. If you if you if you're supervising anyone, you know that you can't control your employees. You try to coach them. You try to create guidelines, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. It's the same approach with your child. It's the same approach with a relationship, right? And so it's it's this partnership in terms of now. Let me look at the abilities of this person, and how can they enhance the process that I need to take this child through, right? There's there's always somebody in in the household who may, who may have a stronger vision for the direction that the child needs to go, right? And it's okay that the second person is, is a supporting cast member of that. That's okay. You know, um, sometimes you have two that have, you know, strong visions for where they want the child to go. And then, and it's about finding those those similarities, those places that you can meet in the middle, right? And then trying to work that out together. Now, that's easier said than done because there has to be a process to doing that. And we're going to talk about that in solutions. There has to be a process for making this happen. But I see all too often, you know, there this 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 struggle to control. And let me say this: fatherhood is not is not birthed through family court. In fact, fatherhood is destroyed through family court. Fatherhood would be the quickest way for you to be a, a single parent. Um, I mean, sorry, the the going to the court system, family court system, is the quickest way to be a single parent doing it all alone. Um, it really doesn't really speak to creating a a, a or mediating uh, relationships so that people can co-parent. It really doesn't speak to that. It really speaks to the complete separation and annihilation and destruction of the family, right? It also speaks to um, 
tremendous hardship and emotional psychological trauma for children who have to be who are forced to um, have to um, travel through those the court system, right? You know, it doesn't build it. There's no continuity and support in terms of the, the individuals that are in the court system for your children, and it's a it's a it's a visiting model um, that has a long lasting and permanent impact on your household and your family. And so you got to be very careful with that. I think, you know, um, again, you know, when, you know, there are too many stories where I hear, you know, people, single parents say at the end of the day, you know, I wish I would have been a little more open to uh, their mother or to their father, you know, in terms of trying to raise this child. Because when that child is an adult, the trauma of, you know, your inability to cooperate with one another is in that child as an adult. And now they carry that trauma into the next relationship and then you begin another cycle. And so the cycle goes into a cycle of divorce, right? And separation and hardships and tragedy and trauma around the future of your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, et cetera. So it never stops until you have the ability to submit yourself and say, you know, this is a choice I made. I'm going to have to find a way to co-raise this child, right? Uh, and, and create some sort of balance between, uh, at least biologically, between uh, this male and, and female, if that's the case, all right, and and create a, a holistic environment with what I have, right, and that you have to make a decision, you have to make a conscious decision to make that happen. So let's go on to solutions. So one solution is that we have to really think about our relationships. We have to love before intercourse you know i know this is corny and people say ah you know let's you know we, we should go into uh you know are we holding back on the sex and you know why you know sex has nothing to do with it well i'm not sure about that uh, it depends on the people right and if it's going to be a sexual thing be clear about that but be safe about it right and that means you have to use protection because when I say love before intercourse, I'm, I'm, I'm talking and I'm not talking about love in, in terms of a feeling and whoa, 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 and, and, and I'm high up in the sky and I'm flying. I'm talking about love in terms of the longevity and the intimacy and the connection that you have with the individual that you're with. I'm talking about there's a chemistry there. I'm talking about that there's a, an a ability to 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 submit. There's a there's a, an ability to um, to bend there's ability to compromise. There's an ability to lead. There's an ability to carry. There's an ability to care for. There's a, an ability to be vulnerable. Right? These are all the abilities. There's an, an ability to shift from between student and teacher and teacher to student in that relationship. There's the ability to understand that we're going to evolve and we won't be in the same place we were in the first 10 years. There's an ability to, to adjust and compromise financially, right? There's an ability to study one another in terms of the strengths and weaknesses and weak, you know, and challenges and 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 how that benefits the household. Those are all the things that have to come into play, and that's what I mean by love, right? And I'm not talking about love and the hearts and the things and the, no, I'm not talking about. That. I'm talking about the struggle. I'm talking about the rites of passage in a relationship that keeps you there. Right. If it keeps you there, despite the struggles and the challenges and disappointments and the betrayals, then that is a love. That is a love there. There is a connection between you two. You can do it. Right. Number two, how do you do that? 
you do a common law arrangements. You know, people are against common law. Oh, don't move in until you get married. Well, you know, there was a different time when there were arranged marriages and arranged marriages, the environment was, was control, right? You didn't have a lot of information. And so therefore I'm showing you this person, this is the best person for you. You're going to marry this person and that's going to be it. Well, that's all you know. And so you grow with that person and everything you learn, you learn with that person. That works that way. But in our environment, our children are being exposed to a lot of things in the media. They have a lot of choices. They have a lot of choices. We encourage dating, right? When you encourage dating, you have a lot of choices, right? And every time you get into a new situation, you date somebody else, you get something different. Initially, you get something different. Your disappointments may uh, come out to be the same, but you still get a different initial experience, right? And it's like it's like a drug, you know, when you start, you know, you're dating, you're dating, you're with the next person. Oh, this is great. You feel good, you know. Oh, and the drug wears off. You're up next. You get another drug, you know, and it keeps going, right? And so, but then you get you get to a place where you don't have the tolerance for longevity or um, for for time. You don't have a, you, you're, you're, you, you're, Your thing is about instant gratification, right? It's about instant uh, fulfillment. And you believe that you should always be happy. And we know that life it's not a situation that we're supposed to always be happy, but it's a, it's a an up and down um, battle to help us evolve and grow and become stronger stronger people as we age, right? Um, not the same look in terms of relationships. So having a common law arrangement, which means that you you know you live together, or you have a situation where you're sharing your finances, um, you you may travel together. Uh, and it's important, yeah, it's, it, let me just say this. It's important that you live together, you travel together, you live life together for an extended period of time so that you can work out all the kinks about what's going on between the two of you, right? Who are you? Because once you get past the representatives and it's not everything is not so pleasant and so good-looking or so attractive all the time, and once you get past the, the attractive parts and you have to see yourself in your biological, uh, in your biological and natural selves in, uh, in your home, Right. And all these things have to happen with your body biologically, you know, and we're talking about simple things as passing gas. Right. Or just being sick and how the other person reacts. Right. And so once you start to live together, you start to have that fluency in terms of what is happening between you two. And this is OK. And this is where the love is. And this is I'm, I'm, I'm in this to win it. Then we got a different situation going on. Now, some people say, oh, you know, you never some people never, never get married though they just live together but what is the point to get married to be separated or to be divorced if you if you if it's a common law situation and you're married and you're you're living in a marriage sort of you know physically and, and emotionally and physically spiritually and you stay together for the length of your life to me that's a marriage if you're getting married through some sort of documentation and some sort of uh protocol and you don't last for more than five years, that is not a marriage. That's not a marriage. That was a date, right? Okay, so, you know, we gotta think about that, you know, where we place our values, right, in terms of our relationships. Where, where do we extend ourselves? And where do we expose our, our, ourselves to learning and, and, and how do we, where do we leave our vulnerabilities in a relationship? And every relationship, in terms of you want it to be intentional and purposeful, you have to be vulnerable. You have to be vulnerable, men and women. Got to be vulnerable because that, that's the extension that creates the connection. 
Because we can, you know, as long as you're putting your representative and you're, and you're in a safe space and you're protecting yourself and you got the shields up, for as long as you do that, you're still not connecting. You're like in a competitive model, right? You do this, I'm going to do that. We're going to adjust to this. No, I'm not going to let you see that. I'm going to shift and I'm going to do this. So that means you're not available now. You're available now, I'm not available. I'm going to shift and do this. I'm going to be clandestine. I'm going to, you know, all these things happen because you're not in a vulnerable place to allow yourself to be confronted and to grow amongst each other. So after you've gone, you've gone through the love, and then here's the process. You've gone through the love. You got the common law arrangement going on. You want to budget for children. What does it mean to have children? See, a lot, a lot of the struggle, too, is not only relationship struggles that fall out between people when they realize, I don't like, like you know, you get with this person, you, you know, you're with them for five years, you say, I don't really like this person. Or you get them with them, you know, to a year and then, you know, you got a, a baby on the way and then, you, you know, this person, do you know, when the biologically this, this person changes, they become naturally who they are depending on what their bio, biology um, requires of them. And then you say, I don't really like this person. Well, you, you've, you've kind of, you know, um, signed up for a long relationship here now that you're having a baby. So I don't know what you're going to do. Right, because you didn't do the work beforehand, right? And so now you gotta you gotta budget for this child. So when are you budget for this child? Where am I in my career? Where am I in my life? Where are you in your life? Where are you in your career? What do I want to, you know? Because uh, maybe uh, I can't ride the motorcycle, and I gotta get change my kind of car, and I gotta change the kind of living. All these things have to be. So am I able to be less self centered, independent? Am I able to adjust from being self centered to enter? dependent where my decisions the decisions I make can affect the person that I'm with and the child that I have with this person so I can't just make decisions that are just solely for me I can't just buy what I want to buy I just can't just do what I want to do in terms of go where I want to go you know all of the things and that's not about you know somebody managing and being uh, uh, in control of you this is about what I do impacts other people around me because I made a commitment to be in this relationship and I made a commitment to have a child in this relationship. So it, my actions and behaviors has an impact. And I'm telling you that when you get married, it doesn't go away. It keeps going with you in marriage throughout the lifetime of your marriage that you're struggling with your self-centered self and being interdependent, right? Being self-centered and being interdependent. Being self-centered and being interdependent. Remember, I didn't say dependent. Children are dependent. I'm saying being interdependent, right? And we kind of, there's a constant pull and, and there's a push and pull, the force that's always happening around that, right? Throughout our lifetime that we're struggling with, right? And so when you say, I'm going to have children, you, that's the first conversation that you're having about being interdependent, about what are you willing to sacrifice so that your child can have the things that you desire in your plan. It also begins to, you begin to co-construct with your partner, the kind of values, the kind of structure, the kind of child raising that you want to have uh, with parenting, right? It begins to establish that. So when you start talking about the finances, you begin to establish the structures around that financing because the financing doesn't go without the structure. And you start to question, you just start to go into each other's values, right? But you've lived long enough, hopefully you've lived long enough together and had enough experience together to know what those values are anyway. But now co-constructing a plan that this is going to 
follow through. And so those, that, that looks like, you know, okay, where do we, where are we living? You know, what's the space we're going to have for this child? You know, what is going to be, you know, what's, what's happening with the doctor situation? Who's the doc, where's the doctor going to be located? We're going to do a family practitioner. What are we going to do? We're going to have, you're going to have a separate doctor. We're going to have, what's going to be copay? All these things we have to talk about. And we'll talk about that in later episodes when we talk about fatherhood. The last one is you have to redefine your definitions for the roles of men and women. So when you look at this dynamic and you put this financial structure together and you've been living together for a long time, you know the strengths and weaknesses of each other. You know what you can and can't do biologically, right? Intellectually. You already know what it is, right? You've been together for a long time. You know. Now is the question to say, okay, so who's going to do what? In this relationship right now from infancy to whether it's five years old because you know you have to readjust these things three years five years two years some one year sometimes it don't work you got to come up with the structures and say hey i can do this can you do this if we do this together we can put this together we can make this work right you can get somewhere with that because you begin to say you begin to qualify your support and services, and you begin to work together with that. If it doesn't work, it's not a judgment thing. It's about an adjustment thing, right? Because you, you're talking about compromise. Not a judgment thing. It's an adjustment thing. It's an adjustment. Okay, so you've tried to do this, but this is really not your strength. So let me do this, and you take on this. And it's finding the balance around that child. Remember, there are no models. There's no roles. There's no gender uh, 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 involved with this. This is about capacity to do certain things around that child. It's more about capacity and less about gender. More about capacity and less about gender. The other thing is, if you're in a situation where you're not in the same household and you're a single father, it's about, you know, you and the mother or partner of that child creating bridges, right? Remember, the family court destroys bridges in most cases. Most cases... 95% of the cases, are, I would say, even, let me go lower. I'm just, I'll be less generous. 80% of the cases, the courts destroy bridges, right? So one of the things you want to think about when you are in a situation where you're not together and you're in two different residences and the child is on the way, or the child is already there, is you need to secure a mediator, somebody you equally trust, somebody you equally trust. And the mediator, their role is to, to be a tiebreaker. So when you guys reach a, 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 a place of disagreement and you cannot resolve it yourselves as adults, and that happens, that happens all the times, you need a mediator, somebody you both respect and value to weigh in to get you guys to a compromise that you can go forward. Because in times, there are times that in, in, our, in our lives that we, we can't, we, we meet a disagreement with someone and we cannot work it out and we need someone out on the outside to help us get through it. So whether that be a counselor, that be a pastor, that be, you know, somebody in the family that you both respect it, whether that be a, a closest friend that you both have, whether whoever that is, you guys have to both select them quickly. Quickly. Quickly when you separate. Quickly. Right? And you have to agree. You have to give your word. You have to agree. That this person is going to be the mediator when we can't reach, when we reach an impasse, right? That this person is going to help us move through this difficulty. You also have to look for mentor couples. 
Because if you're on the verge of you, you're newly broken up and you're newly separated, you might need mentor couples to help you think through what's keeping you guys divided. So that means a couple for you and a couple for, for her. And you have to, this person is helping you think through what it takes to be in the same household, what it takes to compromise. They're giving you some of the skills that you don't know. They're giving you the education because you have to go to school for this stuff. They give you the education you need to, to, to cope, to get back together, or if you're not going to get back together, how are we going to communicate? What does it look like in a, in a healthy functioning household that we should be demonstrate maybe in our separate households, right? And then you, you, you use that because the other thing is that eventually you guys are going to go into other relationships, right? And so you want to learn from your mistakes and so that you're better for your next one, right? So have look for mentor couples to help support you and give you the language and the tools you need to navigate through the current relationship and your future relationship. Allocate time and responsibilities to stick to them. We don't need any Martyrs, right? We don't need anybody who wants to show us that they're going to do it all by themselves. We don't need that. It is not healthy for you and that child. You know, listen, super mom, super dad, great. Not a good model. It's not sustainable. Some people are successful with it, and most people are not. And that is the truth, and we have data to prove that. Okay? So it's about, you know, if, if the mother's the one with the custody, it's about not allowing the other parent off the hook. You can't allow that. Right? And so when you say, oh, you know, uh, you know, he won't do it. Listen, listen, it's not about he won't do it. This is his child. I'm dropping him off at 8 o'clock. I know you're off on this day. Gave you a heads up. You said you were going to do it. I'm dropping him off at 8 o'clock, and I'm turning around, and I'm going. And I'm going to do what I need to do. It is your responsibility to take care of this child. There has to be, you know, a, a you have to trust that. You know, now, if you don't totally trust the responsibility of that person, may, you know, the person may be living at home with their mother. That's a good thing. You trust the mother. So she's got to be an anchor for that person. Right? It doesn't matter if he's not totally responsible for it. It's, if the mother is there and she lends a hand to that, it doesn't matter. She's giving a part of him to that child. And, and his presence in that child's space is also supporting that child's healthy development. Right. And so we have to begin to, to set up times where, listen, if you can't do it all by yourself, just meet me at the park and I'm going to leave for one hour. And you're going to you, you, you. So I'll, I'll set up the entry. We'll be both in the park and then I'm going to walk away and I'm going to run. I'm going to do something that I need to do for myself. You're going to be in the park with the child for one hour. You have to find these bridges or these entry points for that other parent to become involved. Now, it's like. So you, you know, the parent who has a child, you, you've been fully, you fully, you've been fully immersed in, 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 in parenting. But the other parent, the longer that they're not immersed or having exposure and experience with parenting, the less they're going to likely they're going to be involved as time passes because they're going to get in the practice of not being there. And so the, 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 the intentional step is to help that parent gain the exposure and experience to be involved. And that means starting with an hour. That's the starting for 30 minutes. That means, you know, getting on the phone and saying, hey, you know, uh, talk to your dad. Talk to your mom. Five minutes starts with five minutes, starts with two minutes, starts with three minutes, starts five minutes, starts with 10 minutes. Then it's 15 minutes, 30 minutes. And then the conversation, because 
the confidence on the, both parents, well, on the parents who's not involved begins to grow with exposure. The confidence begins to grow in terms of their interaction and their connection. And then the visit, the visits go from 30 to the hour, depending on the situation, right? And the person, right? You have to, you, you, it's like, you know, the other parent has to be intentional about teaching, teaching the other parent how to, to be involved with engagement. And that is through exposure. Now, it's not about, I'm trying to get back with that person. Not about that. It's about that when you got initially got into a relationship with this person and you decided to um, have a child with this person or this individual, there was something special in that person you saw. So that person is not all dead and all terrible. There are some gifts that that person has that they can extend to that child. No matter what you say, biologically, those gifts are going to be extended to that child. Now, how... Are we intentional about getting those fathers involved? Well, we get them involved by the 30 minutes. Listen, you're going to call your dad every day. Five minutes. Hi, dad. Five minutes. Hi, dad. Five minutes. Hi, dad. Five minutes. Then we're not worried about him bringing gifts to birthday. We're not, building, we're not dealing with that. What we're dealing with is time of the, the time that they're involved directly with that child. It's a phone call. It's a phone call. It's a phone call. It's a text message constantly, back and forth. Open access, right? It's a, it's a, you know, because when you do that, and if that, that see, initially, it all, you know, you, you know, mother, you say, that, you don't, you know, you're not getting to your mom said this, and I'm going to say that about your mother. No, we're not getting to that because that, that is going to be carried through the child. But it's not carried or it doesn't continue when someone lets it go. An argument and a fight is only when there are two people involved with it. A fight is a fight. It's not a fight with one person. So it's about letting it go and say, hey, you know, every day you're going to talk to your dad. You're going to, we're going to start with your dad says he got to work. We're going to, you know, he says he's available this day. We're not holding back. You say to your, you know, dad, you know, uh, you're going to be there. Okay. He's going to be there. All right. Um, you know, you should try to, you know, in the back end of it, you say, you know, mom's going to be there. His mother's going to be there. Somebody's going to be there to help or aunt somebody. You know, you, you have that in, in place so that if it doesn't go right, that you have, a fall, a fall, fall guy, uh, not a fall guy, but you have a support in place in his family line that can support the process, right? And so you created, you kind of create a urgency to support the dynamics around that child with that father by putting that child in the father's space on a regular basis, on a regular basis. This is not inconsistent. This is on a regular basis. Basis. Now it takes some work to do that. He's like, oh, you know why they won't do that? You know, well, they can't do it because the child is living with you, right? They can't do that. And when the child, when the, I just saw, said to you earlier, when the child is outside of your household, the person that is the outside parent is the visitor. They're the best friend. They're the visiting uncle because they don't have a stake in it. If they have no stake in it and they live in life and they're simply giving you a check, but they have no stake in the development and nurturing and the, and the the evolution that a child forces you to go through, then they can't understand what you're going through and what you need. And the only way they understand it and, and, and they understand what you need is when they are experiencing the way you're experiencing. Not, and they, will fully, they fully will never experience it like you do. But if they have enough experiences, whether it be taking them to a soccer game or swimming or other things, or showing up to parent-teacher conference or meeting with the teacher because you can, and, and then getting on the phone and having to hear what happened with the teacher and strategies and developing those strategies together, 
then that parent is going to be hard to handle as time goes on with their absence. So it's getting past that our relationship is over. It's not going to happen. And I'm upset with you. And I don't like you. In fact, I hate you right now. But this child was made from both of us. And it's about the greatest good, right? And so it's about sacrificing your child. I know there was a story in the Bible, right? And um, there was a child and 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 there were the parent, the, the, I guess it was the, the, the uh, I think it was the two women wanted the child or something. Something was two women wanted the child or mother, father, something that I can't remember the details of the story, but the king was trying to figure out who to give the child to and they, you know, they wouldn't agree. And he said, right, I'm going to cut the child in half. So he took out a, a, a really long sword and he said, I'm going to cut the child in half and I gave each of you one. And one of the parents said, listen, no, you give the child to the person, the other person. You know, I want the child to be whole. Give the child to the other person. And the king gave the child to the one who said, give it to the other person. Because they were willing to sacrifice, right, their self-centeredness for the, for, the, for the safety and the health of the child, right? And that was, a, that was, that was the, the king felt that was the better parent. And so just think about that at all times. When you, when you are in a dispute and the decision, and this is the courts, right? And I got a, I got a sword and I'm willing to cut this child in half to give it to who? And you're not willing to live for the greatest good of that child so that they have the best experience, then, you know, that's going to call into question. So a lot of times, you know, we as adults, men and women, are the obstacles for those healthy environments that we can create around our children. And we can complain all day, but I'm telling you, this is the kind of work that it takes to create the environments that you need for your children. Thanks for listening to Pushing Boundaries. Once again, my name is Sharif Rucker. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do me a favor by commenting, subscribing, and sharing this podcast with everyone you know. All of these things are free and take very little effort, but would mean the world to me. Thanks again and stay tuned.